Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, and we are at episode 94 as the countdown to 100 begins. Super stoked. So today's episode, I kind of want to do something different, and I really want to get to the essence of What's Your One More. And at What's Your One More, one of the things that we've always pride ourselves on is really diving deep into the details and also diving deep into the headlines. But today's headline, I'm going to take one from social media. I had a friend of mine send me a clip and, um, you know, we're going to replay this clip for you here in a moment, but this is kind of what we're battling every day as a society. This is what buyers are battling. This is what the, the, you know, just sellers are battling, mortgage lenders are battling. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but also just the general consumer, you know, if you're a user on social media, you could be affected or impacted by, by any propaganda is such what I'm about to show. Now, I want to start with, I am not digging on this person for what they're doing. I am, I'm not mad at them. What I want to do though is, is really curtail the message and make it abundantly clear what's being said. So the first thing is, you know, why are we doing this? Well, this, this went viral and it's got a lot of shares, which means the shares have been now, you know, impacted the people that it was sent to, plus a lot of commentary, a lot of likes, the list goes on and on and on. And at the heart of this, um, this is a mortgage lender creating a little bit of fear, if you may, to solicit business. Uh, I think the message was, you know, done very well and, and articulate from the standpoint of delivery, um, but the content's what I have a problem with. And so I'm going to take a minute to do that. We had a, a, a good friend of mine, send this to me in a, uh, in a private message. And she was like, Hey, check this out and let me know what you think. And immediately when I, when I looked at it, I was like, Whoa, like if that's true, then this is a really, really, really scary stat. But if this is wrong, this is also a really, really scary way of kind of getting people riled up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play this here. Uh, Charlie, my producer is going to put it on where you can take a look at it here, but I'm gonna go ahead and play it. And in doing such, uh, you know, I want to take a look at, you know, basically, you know, what, what does this, what does this do? What does this look like, uh, in the form of our audience? And, and you may have already seen it. So I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Home prices just hit an all time high and the people that don't own a home now probably never will. And that's a hard sentence to say out loud, but it's something that we have to come to grips with. I saw an incredible stat the other day by 2030, it is expected that 40% of all single family homes inside the United States will be owned by wall street. You've got to stop thinking that you're playing a game against another millennial. And both of you are in this rat race trying to afford the home. Cause honestly, that's not true. These wall street banks are understanding that there are huge benefits in owning single family homes and their goal is to turn our whole economy inside the United States into a rental economy. This has already happened inside other countries and there's a lot of places that you can look to understand what these rental economies look like. And the sad truth is America is going towards a rental economy. This is going to take huge intervention by the government to have any shot at stopping this. And honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. But I do believe that the landscape in which we look at the American dream and ownership is changing. And that in the next five to six years, almost half of all real estate will be owned by Wall Street and we just have to come to grips with that. And so if you're wanting to get into real and play like the people in Wall Street and understand what benefit they see of owning this home, you need to think like them. You need to get into real estate, figure out how to buy a home as soon as you can before it becomes unaffordable. And that is my goal is to provide financial literacy to the common person so that they can. I can't tell you how many people will call me saying, hey, I want to do X, Y, and Z. I just don't think I can. And we find a way to qualify them. So if you want to qualify for a mortgage, please DM me at any time because I love helping people get to that American dream. So if you're looking for advice, follow me. Okay. So... Obviously, you know, right out the gate, the first thing I notice in there is that, it, it, hey, we're talking about home prices being at an all-time high in America. 
That is true. They're absolutely an all-time high in America. Um, and, and that number continues to keep going up. Now, there's sub-markets of the country where it's not necessarily that. Maybe they've leveled off. But I think the big thing that I took away from this in this particular clip is what's followed right after that. It's like, hey, home prices are all-time high. Got your attention. Now here comes the problem. And the problem is that, you know, this this person on this reel, if you may, and uh, it appears to be a fake podcast, which is a very popular thing that people do. They talk in front of a microphone and, you know, there's really not a podcast going on. This is a real one, by the way. I've had a couple people ask us about that, a real life episode uh, from our reels. And we do this all the time. But, you know, one of the things that I saw on there, and I'm going to put this art, I'm going to put the stat that he said next. So what he said was that what you need to understand is that he saw a very scary stat that Wall Street will own 40% of the single family housing market by 2030. So that's roughly six years, seven years from now that they'll own 40%. And he was, you know, insinuating that's a big problem. And homes are already at a high price and that we're turning into a very rental-driven society and that America is what he called rentalnomics. Now, what caught my attention there is that where'd that stat come from? First of all, I have not seen that stats. A lot of stats come across our desk between the market distillery, between Daniel Halverson at Bank of England Mortgage, and between What's Your More podcast. We are a stat haven. We get a ton of this information and we look for this and we scour it and we search it. This is not one that had popped up on our radar. And so that was one of the ones where I was like, okay, let's go find this. And so I, I searched and I did find where it came from. Uh, it came from uh, MetLife Investment Management, but it was published in The Motley Fool, which is a very, very well-documented, reputable uh, site. And here's what I, here's what I want to show you is that here's how, this, here's how this can be taken out of context in a matter of a clip or in a matter of seconds. What it said is that data from MetLife Investment Management shows that Wall Street investors might control as much as 40% of the single-family rental homes. Man, that one word, leaving out that one word changes the landscape of that narrative. 40% of the single family rental homes, not single family homes. 34% of all homes in America are rental. They're saying that 40% of that 34 could be owned by Wall Street. And so that is a fear factor. Let's call it what it was, that that you're, you're showing people, hey, listen, if you don't get in home ownership now and you don't start playing the game against Wall Street and stop thinking you're competing against other millennials or baby boomers or people that are putting more money down than you, then you're going to miss out. You have to start thinking like these Wall Street firms do. And again, at the end of that, where was the pitch? The pitch was, hey, listen, this is what I love helping people do buy homes. You know, he gets called all the time with people with conundrums of how am I going to be a homeowner? Then that he has all the solutions that can help you with that. It's a very genius way to advertise, but going about it the wrong way. And in my opinion, he's not the only one. There's a lot of people that do that. I mean, we get challenged every single day on this show by our audience and some people that don't even listen to the show. They just see the real and they'll pop off and they'll, they'll come in real hot, if you may, in, in regards to what we said, but we're able to back up our, our, our position. We're able to show the data points of where we get it and explain a little bit more than what these reels can explain. The one thing I don't like about reels is you get a 45 second clip of a 15 minute podcast. It's hard to get the point across. Oftentimes these reels are clipped by the marketing team stuck online. It's like, hey, here you go. They're chopped and edited. What can we do to get people's attention? In this particular case, this person's not hosting a podcast. They literally did the reel, chopped and edited and put it on there themselves. But the reality is, let's go back to the stat. 15, excuse me, uh, 40% of the rental homes in America are what's going to be owned by Wall Street, according to MetLife Investments. And I think that that's important because, you know, the reality is that we're not in a rental rental, uh, economics or rentonomics, as he called it, 
we're not. I mean, we have more pop. This is this is goes back to the basic principles of what we've been talking about on this show for quite some time. And our duty and our responsibility to our listeners at What's Your One More is we want to dive into this this situation a little deeper, right? You know, what's the one more thing that could have been added to this reel that would have made it better? The word rental homes. What's the one more thing that this person could have done to not make this a fear mongering, you know, reel? What's the one more thing you? as an audience member, you as a consumer, you as a future buyer can do to improve your position. That's the goal of our show is to help you understand things like this and that the narrative is always in the eye of the beholder. And the person that's always doing that always has a motive involved in it, whether it's a news article, whether it's, you know, a real, you know, whether it's even someone like us, we have a motive. Our motive is to help educate our audience. That's our motive here. I mean, we're not getting an abundant amount of sponsors and making any kind of money off of this podcast. We're doing this because we absolutely enjoy it. You've heard me talk about it before. It's time capsules that we're offering up. And, and this is something that's really, you know, we're passionate about. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com, www.boemortgage.com, because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. I'll go back to this. In this particular situation, I will say that this goes back to simple economics. And the reason you can say that we're not a rental-nomic type environment is as simple as this. We have way more population of buyers, and I want to say buyer pool. Our buyer pool has expanded so much here in the United States compared to where it was 10 years ago, compared to where it was in 2008. There are more buyers right now anticipating wanting to buy a home than there are homes available. So if you have a need, the position of need is that people need to live somewhere. A lot of household formations have been created. I believe we saw where 1.7 million household formations were created in the last year, but we only had a million homes in available inventory. So the number right there doesn't add up. So where are these people going to live? You're having to build more apartments. You're having to build more multifamily. That's just that's just a fact. That's reality. That's not like a, a rental nomics. That's not a plan from Wall Street. That's a demand, and they're having to meet it. And until we get to a point to where we have enough single family homes, right? Then we're, we're gonna be challenged with that. And I think that there's this notion of uh, BTR. We've talked a little bit about that on the show here, the build to rent model that's being done in a lot of different cities. And you may live in a city where that's happening. That's not, that's not a situation where a Wall Street's trying to come over and take that. And I think when he says Wall Street, he means you know, the, 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 the hedge funds is what he means there. And that, that's not what's trying to happen there. That's literally building to demand. And when you do a BTR community, you're eliminating a lot of the amenities and you're eliminating the yard sizes to build homes closer together so you can maximize the piece of land to build those properties. Um, and, and I think a lot of times when, as a consumer, we don't get what we want, and I'm guilty of this too, by the way, when we don't get what we want, we find an angle that 
it's always someone else's fault out of greed. Oh, they're doing this because of that. They're doing this because they're looking to make more money. And that's not always the case. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, things are being done out of need and necessity, and it's not always out of greed. That was another thing that we saw online, that there was a lot of greed fingers being pointed, and that's not the case in some of this, you know, and I, I just, I think that when I see that, it's, it's hard to kind of combat that ideology because, you know, we're each entitled to our own opinions, and, and, and that's, that's what makes our society so great. But, you know, the reality is what we're dealing with right here is a supply demand issue, not a greed issue. And we're also dealing with a supply demand issue from population to inventory, not Wall Street buying up 40% of the single family residents, such as indicated on this. And, you know, I, I was reading some of the comments on there. You know, this is not a reason why many homeowners are not getting a home. That was what a lot of people were pointing to. Well, no wonder I can't get a home. I can't compete against this. I can't do this. I can't do that. That's not that's not the premise of that. The reason it's hard to find a home right now is there's an affordability metric driven by interest rates. There's higher home prices that have not come down at all. And, you know, it's interesting. I got into a spirited debate uh, with with one of my counterparts, matter of fact, a guy that got me in in the industry, and we were talking about home prices, and he said, "Quentin, you know, I just these home prices are going to have to start coming down. We just can't can't the affordability you know has breached its limit." And uh, his name's Jim, and I was like, "Hey, Jim, why do you think? I'd love to hear your take on this because I always I always think about this. Why do you think that's going to come down?" And he said, well, because people just can't afford the prices. And if they want to sell their home, if they've got to sell, if they're going to sell their home, they're just going to have to lower the prices. And I was like, you know, that's the major difference that we talk about all the time. Unlike years past, we're in an anomaly right now because so many people are locked into lower interest rates. They don't have to sell their home. They're not sitting on the sidelines going, man, I really need to sell my home. They're sitting on the sidelines saying, if I was to sell it, this is what I would sell it for. And I better get this for it because they have the greatest rate on the home that they're ever going to have, right? They're living in the greatest interest rate period of, of their mortgage they're ever going to have. They probably got a two-handle, three-handle, four, maybe a five-handle. The payment's very comfortable. And quite frankly, for them to move, they're going to see an adjustment in payment and they're going to get a much higher interest rate. And so they don't have to sell it. That's just it. There's there's a want to and there's a need to. And there's a lot less need tos right now than in years past. And you know, when I kind of brought that notion up to them, I go, think about it that person could sit in that house for quite some time and wait for rates to get better and wait for that buyer demand to come to them. And, uh, and he was like, man, you're, you're, you know what? Like I never thought of it like that because so many years in the past, you always have people that were needing to sell, needing to move up, needing to go somewhere. And there was always an alternative to where they could go, right? There was always another uh, place they were eyeing. Those places are far and few between right now because of the inventory conundrum. So because of that, because of the inventory shortage, because of the lock-in effect, you know, that is that is the issue that we're seeing to why those home prices aren't falling and they're not coming down as many people wanted to happen, as many people predicted would happen. So if you're a first-time home buyer, if you're a person looking to move, it's coming. You're going to have that opportunity over the next 12 months. You're going to get that rate environment you're looking for. If you're a renter, like here's my advice on this. You know, obviously you're going to see all kinds of propaganda besides this, but in renting a home, you know, I was just reading the Wall Street article last week and I believe it came out on Monday. You know, there's a lot of renters that are saying, you know what? Enough's enough. Like I'm not going to pay that to rent that property. It's just too much. You've breached the limit of affordability for me. So what a lot of landlords are doing is they're lowering the price, advertising a lower price, but then there's hidden fees to eventually get that money back for the landlord. Pay attention to the hidden fees. For example, trash pickup, that's a hidden fee that I've seen talked about anywhere from $100 to $150, depending on the city you live in. 
you know, lawn maintenance, maintenance care of the property. You know, those are hidden fees that go in there that landlords are essentially using that to make up the difference of the rental payment that they're wanting to get. So negotiate that accordingly, read that in the rental agreement and give yourself an opportunity to maybe get the rent back to where you expect it to be um, before all those fees are tacked and added on there. So at the end of the day, you know, I know this is a shorter podcast than normal, but you know, when I see something like that, I, you can probably tell I get a little fired up about it because, you know, you know, we defend our position all the time to people. And it's, it's, we live in a society where I had someone tell me if someone doesn't like what you're saying, they label it as misinformation. But the reality is I may not like, you may not like what people are saying. Cause sometimes sometimes people don't like it, but just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not the truth. In this particular case, this necessarily wasn't the truth. There was some things that were left out of that that created a motive. And, you know, they say some of the most successful people create a problem and then offer a solution right away. And uh, hats off to this individual. That's what he was doing in this reel. And that's what a lot of people are doing. But just be mindful dive deep. I challenge you on these. When people throw a stat out there, look it up, go find it. You can get it. And uh, as quick as I did on this one here, and you're typically going to find the answer you're looking for and realize that some of this stuff is nonsense away from social media into media. It's the same thing. Um, you know, you, you see it happen all the time. And oftentimes it just kind of misleads people and then also causes people to think the way that the author of that article or more importantly, the person that's doing the social media wants you to think or feel when they made that there. So guys, if you like what you're hearing, five-star review this podcast, please, please, please go to Apple, go to Spotify, leave those five stars, but leave some comments. Uh, we love the comments you're doing on social media. They're fantastic. But leave the comments on there. We're really trying to drive and elevate those platforms on the podcast side of things. And then YouTube. I'm going to throw the link in here, obviously, uh, on the YouTube video and uh, in the show notes. If you would subscribe, you'll get all of this information on there. Um, and uh, you'll be able to kind of see a little bit more of what we're talking about in depth than what we were showing here from my iPhone as we were going through this here. And then last but not least, check us out on our socials at What's Your One More. Uh, subscribe, follow us on there. You'll get a lot of stuff that we're not showing on the show, as well as uh, some overlay and content from what we're doing on here. So guys, appreciate all the listeners. Appreciate all the comment. You guys are amazing. We really appreciate it. Uh, hope to see you guys back on the next episode of What's Your One More. I got one more shot. I'm going to make it. One more chance. I'm going to take it. I meant it when I said it. Now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live. So I put all into it. Yeah.